0: Thank you, Heidi. Let's be in a spirit of prayer together. Let us pray. Oh, God, if there are any cobwebs this morning, brush them away. We are still stuck somewhere else in thought or in anxiety or in anticipation. Bring us back to right here and right now that as the word is preached and prayed, that as we speak to each other in faith and seek the truth for our lives and the life of this world, that we may meet you and greet you and learn from you. Amen. From that text that we heard Dan read, very familiar one, yet one we are well to do to hear again. And the psalmist wrote that this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Those were the days, right? Yesterday. The past. The golden days. The best of days. But days that are, well, now long gone. Or those will be the days one day soon, right? Tomorrow. The future, a future so bright you need sunglasses to see it. The best days are yet to come, and yet they are not here either. So, friends, I guess all we have is today. Today, no day but today. As a song from the Broadway show Rent declares, no day but today, and yet the future and the past, how these places, one place, the past, forever gone, one place, the future, forever out of reach, how these worlds can still haunt us with regret or fear, tempt us with false nostalgia, or impossible redemption call us to go there and to not be here. Maybe even have a hold on us as humans and citizens and Christians yesterday and tomorrow. Very powerful forces in our hearts and minds and souls. Even though we all know that as mortal beings, you or I or any living creature, the only place we can live is now. In today, time travel is not yet an option. And so, friends, all we've got as a free gift from our generous God is this day. That's it. That's it. And that's why today is so amazing and wonderful and immediate and miraculous and challenging and real. But then why Why do we so often, for example, imagine a past that absolutely is so much better than today? And why, why do we so often envision a future that will certainly be better than today? That's our complicated question in our Summer of Why preaching series. Why today? Why God's today? A story, it was called Kenyon's Department Store, and for 141 years, it sat on the main street in the small Rhode Island town I served as pastor. For five generations, the store peddled its wares to the neighborhood. The few times I shopped there was like a trip into the past century with creaky wooden floors and even an old-fashioned cash register which ka with every sale. But one fall day in 1996, it closed for lack of business. The founder's great-great-granddaughter said, Time goes on. I don't really know if it's progress. The community's response to the store's demise was a predictable outcry. We'll miss it, people protested. Things just aren't what they used to be. Not like the good old days. Except no one shopped there anymore. The store died a natural death. At the end, its meager shelves were filled with women's girdles and overpriced men's sweaters sold by cranky Yankee salespeople. At first, I was mystified by folks being so broken up about a business's failure, especially since those same people never went there anymore. But then I realized... Their sadness, their grief, their longing for the past, it wasn't about shopping. Kenyans somehow stood for values. Values that transcended time or place. Like intimacy, living in a small community where everyone knows your name, and honesty, folks ran a tab and owners trusted customers, and simplicity everything you'd ever need, in one place, and stability. The town had gotten bigger, but Kenyans would always be there. As humans, our relationship with the past is complicated. In memory, we tend to edit out the bad things and mostly recall the good things. Right now, our world is wracked by fundamentalist political and religious movements, largely fueled by the intense desire to return to the past. And I know personally, now that in my one life there is less time before me than behind me, I tend to think of the past more, romanticize it, even long for it. So what's the lesson for us as a people of faith? Religion is a product of the past. At our best, we are the repositories in the world for God given values that never go out of style or lose their truth. Love God, love neighbor, love self. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God, forgive as freely as you are forgiven. Blessed are the peacemakers. And the merciful. We've been preaching and living that for 3,000 years. May that past never pass. And yet, some of the past must pass. So at this church, we welcome people into our community more so than ever before, I believe, in our history. No one is left to stand outside our front door. No longer do the biggest givers in the church get a reserved front pew. That's how it used to work. And unlike the Puritans, we have live music and singing. And slavery isn't biblically justified by the preacher from the pulpit. Here's what I think. Friends, we can look to the past and learn from the past and take from the past and thank God for the past. But as children of God, we cannot live in the past or return to the past. The past is past, gone, forever. God may live above and over time. We don't. We live in today. And it's beautiful and it's awful. And it's all we've got. Because the future isn't ours either. It's not here yet. But how often we might seek to live there, too, and not here and today. It's become a tradition of mine as a pastor to have coffee with some of the graduating seniors before they head off to college at the end of the month. I love spending time with these faithful young adults. For them, the future is kind of everything. But sometimes that's hard for them. And so when we talk and go deeper, they tell me how excited they are to be happy, finally, when they get to college, when they leave the house, when they fall in love for the first time, when they figure out just what God wants them to do with their lives. When, when, when. I was like that. I can still be like that. Living not now, but then. Anticipating, expecting life, but only in some distant time, in tomorrow. We all do that. When we get a divorce and find a new partner, when we get a new job, when we buy a bigger house, when we have a baby, when the kids move out. But God's gift to us is not then or when, it's now. Friends, that's all we've got. We can't live in tomorrow. We can't imagine just what it might be like. As humans, our relationship to the future is complicated too. The forward momentum of daily, modern, sometimes crazy life is forever driving us and pushing us towards tomorrow. Time marches on. Time tells us to make plans, to anticipate the unforeseeable, to know who we want to become and what we want the world to become for God, too. And religion's got a word for this. It's hope. Hope. A day tomorrow when the hungry will have enough to eat, the bullied will be loved, the earth will be cared for, racism will end Every last child will have a safe place to sleep and a family to love and be loved by. Religion's job is to always preach this hope. God's kingdom come, God's will be done, one day. So we look with hope to God's future, but we work in today to make that happen. Even when this day today is hard or sad or lacks justice or peace or feels chaotic, I still think God's command to us is the same. This, this is the day that God has made. Let us be alive and awake to it. Let us learn from it. Let us take something away from it. Maybe even just survive it, but still claim today that this day, no matter what, It is from and of God and therefore today is holy and true and meaningful. And so the psalmist words still ring out. From yesterday, in today, to tomorrow. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let all God's people in this one day minute say, Amen. Our middle hymn can be found on the insert. It is Give Thanks for Life.